Thank you, worship team. That was that, so good. Really appreciate the the music that you uh, provided. Yeah, I. So good that um, there's gifted individuals that can uh, lead us in in uh, in worship and um, stimulate that emotional side of us that um, that we need to, to fully express our our love for God. Thank you so much. I'd like for you to open your Bibles to the book of Proverbs and uh, turn to chapter four and verse twenty-three. Um, Proverbs four and verse twenty-three, and uh, want to read that out loud and then. Have your Bibles uh, available to look at uh, various passages in Proverbs, because we're going to be in Proverbs uh, this morning as we uh, look at God's Word uh, to us today. Proverbs chapter 4, and um, if, if you're new to the Bible, uh, you can kind of open it in the middle, and you'll land either in Psalms or, or maybe in Proverbs. Proverbs is right after Psalms, before the little book of Ecclesiastes. Proverbs is a it's part of the wisdom literature, uh, primarily authored by Solomon, um, and uh, by as he was led by the Holy Spirit, and he gives instruction for for life. Uh, wisdom in the scriptures is is skill in living, and um, he gives us some instruction here regarding our hearts in Proverbs four and verse twenty three. It says, um, "Watch over your heart with all diligence, for from it." flows the springs of life. I really enjoyed meeting your pastor a few weeks ago. Um, uh, he truly has a heart for God, uh, a joy that comes from his relationship with Christ, and, and a, a genuine love for you, um, the congregation that he serves. While we were meeting, I asked him, uh, what, is, what are some of the needs of the people at Applewood? And, and he immediately said, we have a lot of busy people um, in our congregation. And I can certainly believe that because our, our culture breeds uh, busyness. Um, and sometimes uh, busyness can become a burden that keeps us from uh, feeling like we're close to God. But part of the ways that uh, our culture breeds uh, busyness is employers who, who, uh, who heap unrealistic expectations on employees, um, primarily because they're feeling the pinch of, of quotas and, and deadlines themselves. Um, sometimes American advertisement uh, can breed uh, busyness, uh, communicating to us that, that image is everything. And in order to have the proper image, you've got to look good, you've got to feel good, you have to have the goods, and you have to be good enough. And all of that uh, takes a lot of time and, and energy. And then parents can feel uh, extra busy in, in our culture, uh, feeling pressure to have their children involved in certain schools and sports and social events and, and even uh, church uh, activities, uh, which often can squeeze uh, childhood out of uh, the experience of, of young people. And then Denver traffic can certainly add to, to the feeling of, of being busy. Uh, it just takes longer to travel to all the stuff we have to do. Also in our, our culture, there's a, an assumption that, that aggravates uh, busyness as well. And, 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 um, and that is, uh, as Harvard uh, did some studies uh, not too long ago, 
on uh, American culture and busyness uh, particularly, they found that busyness now is trendy in America. In many countries in the, in the world, uh, social status is measured by the amount of leisure time someone has. Uh, but in our culture, social status is measured by how busy we are. Uh, we tend to be more impressed with someone who's got a Bluetooth uh, headset than someone who's got headphones listening to music on. We're more impressed with 14-hour days than four-hour days. And all of this can, can be very frustrating. It can uh, lead to uh, false impressions that you want to give people and, and a general lack of fulfillment. Um, well, the book of Proverbs has some uh, instruction for us that may feel uh, particularly busy and for people that don't feel real busy. But, but, but Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 23 is a warning from God, a command to, to guard our hearts with all diligence, lest the, the burden of busyness squeeze out uh, really living. And I'd like for us to see uh, from this passage this main idea uh, this morning that we can take home with us, uh, hopefully. Uh, keep your heart from five diseases and live. Keep your heart in the busy culture that we live in from, from five diseases that the Proverbs warns us of, and really live. Now, Proverbs is going to address some of the, the plagues that plug the passageways in our hearts. It's also going to provide some cures for us um, as well. Uh, first of all, I'd like for us to look at a few Hebrew definitions from, from this one verse. may help us in our understanding. And then look at five uh, particular, particular diseases that the book of Proverbs address that can attack our hearts uh, today. Some, some Hebrew definitions. Uh, first, the word keep uh, or watch over. Um, it's a command, uh, you'll notice, and, and it means to keep, means to watch over, to guard or, or to protect, you know, with, with the same intensity that a parent would have as they look at their children playing at a playground, with the same diligence that a TSA worker at the airport has when people are going through security, with the, the same cautions that an AT, ADT security system has, watch over or guard or protect your heart. I'm so glad we sang a, a number of songs today that, that specifically address the heart, our heart and God's heart. Um, this uh, this uh, command actually is in a comparative sense. So the sense of the verb is, of all the things you watch over, watch over this the most. And that is your heart. And then the word heart um, in the Old Testament is really the most comprehensive Old Testament word for the total person. Um, you know, a definition they have on your handout here is, heart is the dimensionless. There's, there's no dimensions to the heart. But it's a part of your being and my being uh, where the decisions are made because you delight in something. And that will determine your deeds. So it's, the, it's that part of us that uh, the decisions that we make, we so delight in those things that will determine what we do. And that eventually leads to our destiny. Um, busyness 
can, can make decision-making uh, difficult. We, we can become indecisive. We're kind of like a squirrel that's on a busy road, and, and they realize there's traffic, and they're trying to decide which direction to go to, and then eventually that, that squirrel gets flattened. Uh, and, and God is, is warning us here uh, from uh, the book of Proverbs. You've you got to watch this thing. You've got to watch over your heart um, and, you know, so that you can make good decisions and that you can delight in those things, and it will determine the deeds that you take, have and then eventually your destiny. So that's the heart. A.W. Tozer, a, a, a theologian uh, from the earlier part of the 20th century, said this, the widest thing in the universe is not space. It is the potential capacity of the human heart. Being made in the image of God, it is capable of, capable of almost unlimited extensions in all its directions. And one of the greatest tragedies is that we allow our hearts to shrink until there is room in them for little more besides ourselves. You know, so the, the heart is it, tremendous capacity. God says, says guard it. And springs, or, or, or your version might have the, the source of life uh, comes from it. Um, it's like, like a river that has fingers to it, like, like the Platte River has all kinds of fingers to it. And, and your heart's going to extend out in all kinds of different directions. Implied in this word is also boundaries. So the idea is that uh, life is experienced to its full to a limit. You know, if there are limits on, on uh, the, the direction that our hearts goes. We all know that we've got to draw some boundaries in our lives or life will be sapped away from us. It will be drained from us. So within the boundaries that God gives us, keep that heart, guard that heart, uh, and you will experience uh, fullness of life like God intended. Uh, one frustrated Christian who was very busy said, said this, God put me on earth to accomplish a certain number of things. Right now, I'm so far behind, I know I'll never die. <laughs> now that, now that, you know, that's how we feel sometimes uh, in, in the, the busyness uh, of life. So those are some things that might help us understand this passage. Now let's go to to five heart diseases that the Proverbs address. Um, I saw on the side of an ambulance in Aurora where we live uh, just uh, a week and a half ago or so, uh, it says, we are the heart condition experts. Undoubtedly that's true, uh, physically. Um, First John chapter 3 and verse 20 says, God is greater than our hearts and he knows everything. God is looking at our hearts and he wants us to guard our hearts and he warns us, uh, he gives us kind of a scouting report. This is what will happen uh, to your heart if you allow these diseases to creep in. But he, in his grace, offers some cures as well. So five heart diseases, as uh, God warns us, keep your heart from, from these things. The first is hopelessness. Hopelessness, H in heart, hopelessness. Proverbs chapter 13, turn there, verse 12. 13 and verse 12, it says, Hope deferred makes the heart sick. In other words, if you're hoping for a job or a lasting relationship or some kind of gift or 
enjoying some kind of success, and it's put off, that's going to sicken our hearts. And that, that's how life can be sometimes. Um, the, the warning is, if, if our heart become hopeless, we'll have a sickness to it. it it'll, it'll pain us. In fact, uh, uh, Proverbs 14 and verse 13, it says, even in laughter, the heart may be in pain if hope is deferred, if there's a hopelessness. Sometimes I think that one of the goals of the nightly news is to foster hopelessness in people. I mean, reporting on corruption and, and uh, crime and, and injustices and indiscretions of people, uh, it can create a lot of hopelessness. And hopelessness is a, a disease of the heart. Uh, but the solution is not to turn off the TV and watch more comedies or to buy lottery tickets. The, the cure is, is to, to trust in God. Very simple. Trust in God. Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6. Maybe verses that you've memorized before. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. See? Where our heart is. Trust in Him with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, everything you do, acknowledge Him. He will make straight the path. What a tremendous promise. That's the cure to hopelessness. To, to put our trust in a sovereign, loving, powerful, wise God who cares for you. Just like that last song we sang, He loves us completely. Um, we can put our trust in Him and that alleviates some of the hopeless feeling that we might have. A few weeks ago, my wife and I were at uh, a playground in Aurora with our two granddaughters. And at the playground uh, was a single mom with, I think, three children, uh, two daughters and one little boy. And the boy was about six or seven, and he had a, a football that he was playing with. And, and you could tell, he, you know, he was inventing games that he could play by himself. But he was getting kind of frustrated that he didn't have a partner to play football with. And you know, I, I noticed that, and I, I went over to him, and I said, I said, here, throw me the ball, and I'll, I'll throw you a pass. And, uh, and he hesitated at first. I mean, who is this guy? Can I trust him? Uh, it was helpful that Judy was there. Uh, uh, but, but eventually he, you know, he, he tossed me his, his football. And, and I threw him a pass, and I'm not you know, an expert uh, at throwing football. Uh, but but it was, he caught it, and it was a delight to him, just, just one pass. Now imagine if Peyton Manning was there. And he said, toss me your football, and I'll throw you some passes. Man, his excitement would have gone through the ceiling. He, he would have had hope. There wouldn't have been any frustration. Uh, now, I had no ill intent for him at all. I'm not going to run off with his ball. I wanted him to have fun. That's how God is. We, we can toss to him our, our, our careers, our finances, our family, the, the things that we're hoping for in the future. We can trust him. He has good intentions for us. Just throw him the ball. Let him, let him play catch with you. Uh, that's a, that will alleviate some of the hopelessness. That's a, that's a way of guarding our hearts from, from that. Um, the Journal of, American, of the American Heart Association, not long ago, uh, reported this in their studies. 
People who experience high levels of despair have a 20% greater occurrence of arterial sclerosis, or the hardening of the arteries physically in their hearts, than people who live with hope. In other words, with hope, you can be 20% less likely to suffer from narrowing of the arteries caused by a plaque buildup in your uh, the blood vessels of your heart. Interesting. Now God says, um, cure that hopelessness that we are maybe prone to have um, with a trust in him. A second disease is E-ego. H, hopelessness, E-ego. Proverbs 16 and verse 5. Turn there. Proverbs 16. Here it says, everyone who is proud in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Be assured he will not go unpunished. So we've got to guard our hearts against conceit and arrogance, a self-absorption, which we're, we're prone to, to do. Uh, someone once said that the, the word ego is really an acrostic for easing God out, kind of moving him out. I'm going to take care of this on my own. That, that's our tendency. And and. Getting busy can be traced back to, to my pride sometimes. Because cause we, can, we, we can have the attitude that if I can impress you with how busy I am, then I'm really important. God said, no, no that, that isn't true. Uh, You've got to guard your heart against, against um, that ego. And then the cure here is also in Proverbs chapter 3. Now, the whole chapter is great one on, on, on wisdom. At the end, it says, God gives grace to the humble. But in Proverbs uh, 3, verses 7 and 8, he, he says, um, don't be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord, turn from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Eric Little was the Usain Bolt of his day. Uh, he won the gold medal in the 400 meters in the 1924 Olympics in Paris. Um, his, his real events were the 100 and 200. Uh, the 400 was not his, his event, but because the prelims in the 100 were going to be on Sunday, he didn't compete. He, he said, I'm not, I'm not going to do that uh, out of reverence for God. And, and that was his choice. Um, it was his way of, of honoring God. So he ended up running the 400 meters, and he won the gold medal and set a world record. Uh, after the Olympics, which he also won a bronze in the 200. And, by the way, the, the award Oscar-winning movie, Chariots of Fire, is based around Eric Little's choice not to run in the 100 but run the 400. Anyway, after the, after the, uh, the Olympics, he was, he was a hero in, in Europe and, and, uh, and a celebrity abroad. Um, Many businesses offered him lucrative opportunities to, to be in a position with their, with their company. And he was encouraged to train for the 1928 Olympics, too, where he could get more athletic glory. Um, but Eric Little uh, felt God's call to China. Uh, he wanted to be a missionary to China. He didn't disparage Christians who stayed at home and lived for the Lord where they lived. But he just felt God wanted him to go to China. And so... So he did that, 
and he uh, became a teacher at a school in China and uh, was involved in, in uh, providing recreation for uh, people at the school. He preached on weekends. He shepherded people. He pointed Chinese people uh, to Jesus. Uh, when a world, when um, uh, the Japanese attacked uh, Pearl Harbor uh, in 1941, uh, all uh, English-speaking people that were in China were imprisoned. And so Eric Little was uh, imprisoned in, in uh, for being you know, in China as a missionary. But in prison, he, he continued to serve the Lord. There was about 2,000 2, people in the prison camp, prisoner war camp where he was. And, and he, he, he taught Bible studies. He, he provided games and recreation for the youth that were there. Uh, continued to shepherd and to serve people in that prisoner of war camp. He unfortunately uh, died of a, of a brain tumor in 1945 uh, in China. But he left an indelible mark on people in in China, scholars as well as illiterate people, athletes and non-athletes, Christians and non-Christians, the sophisticated as well as the simple, because of his submission to Christ. Highly competitive individual, highly driven individual, yet devoid of self, pointing people to Jesus. He he, he was like this. The, The cure was he submitted to God. You know, whatever that meant for him, that's what he did. Whatever that means to you and to me, we do that. That's a way of guarding our hearts towards, um, you know, uh, with this disease of, of ego. Eric Little uh, did that. He said it just before he died. His last recorded words were, all will be well. And indeed it was. A third uh, heart disease uh, that we need to avoid if we're going to keep our hearts um, is A, adultery. H, hopelessness. E, ego. A, adultery. Turn to Proverbs chapter 6. Proverbs chapter 6, verses 25. There's some warnings here uh, that will help us. Um, Proverbs chapter 6, verse 25. There's a warning against adultery. And that includes porn. That includes any kind of sexual immorality. That includes unfaithfulness to your spouse or to your future spouse. Verse 25. Do not desire, speaking of the loose woman, do not desire her beauty in your heart. Remember Jesus said, um, whoever looks at a woman lustfully has committed adultery already in his heart. Um, Don't desire her beauty in your heart. Do not let her capture you with her eyelids. In chapter 7 and verse 25, uh, again, there's a warning. Do not let your heart turn aside to her ways. Do not stray into her paths. Now, we live in a culture where uh, you can't avoid seeing suggestive things on billboards, on TV, and the Internet. Uh, You you can't avoid hearing comments that are off-color or or jokes uh, that that may, uh, may not be holy. Uh, but it's like, kind of like Martin Luther said. Um, he said, you can't keep birds from flying over your head, but you can prevent them from making nests in your hair. You know, so, so temptation isn't sin, but nursing it 
and hanging around it and and getting right to the edge. See how, how close you can get to the edge? That may be sin. You know, God's just warning us. Hey, this is something that you've you got to protect. You've got to protect your heart because this can lead to, to other things. Uh, the cure is simply consider the cost. You know, Proverbs 6 and verse 32. The one who commits adultery is lacking sense. He who would destroy himself does it. See, there, there's just a warning there. Uh, so as, as we take care of our hearts, you've got gotta to guard against this area um, as, as well. Um, you don't have to go too far to find examples of this. You know, Time Magazine recently had a, uh, an issue, uh, a cover article on uh, the former CEO of Uber, uh, Travis Kalanick. Um, you know, how he, he had to re- resign in, in shame uh, because of a lot of his indiscretions, but they could be traced back to his promoting adultery in the company and sexual harassment. Sad. Uh, just ask Tiger Woods. Now, those of us who are over 30 remember how what a stellar professional golf career Tiger Woods enjoyed. And he was on, on a trajectory to be the greatest of all time. But it's interesting, in, in my classes at Faith Christian, if I you know, put up on the screen a picture of Tiger Woods, and we're going to discuss something about sports or, or, or just the consequences of our choices, the kids don't, the first thing they say, they don't identify him as a professional golfer. Every semester, the first thing they say is, cheater. You know, and, and Tiger Woods would, would admit that adultery cost him more than he thought it would. So, so the way we protect our hearts is just ask the question, do we really want to pay the inflated sticker price and the hidden fees with adultery? God's warning us here and giving us uh, a loving uh, charge. Consider the cost. And then a a fourth heart disease we want to guard against, not only hopelessness and ego and adultery, but then rebellion. Rebellion. Proverbs chapter 6, verses uh, 12 and 14 uh, address this one. Speak of rebellion. Describing a worthless person. uh, Someone who's who's wicked, there's evil. Uh, Verse 14, who with perversity in his heart continually devises evil. And then verse 18, the heart, these are things that are abomination of God, the heart that devises wicked plans. Now, this passage isn't talking about inadvertent sin. It's not talking about things that that we're sorry for. You know, we're all going to stumble. We're all going to fall. You know, our, our... our sin nature gets the best of us. That happens. What he's talking about is deliberate, intentional, willful disobedience to the things of God. You know, I mean, you don't want any part of it. Yeah, I know God said that, but I don't want to do that. I mean, that's, that's what it's addressing. That, that's when our hearts are getting hard. That's when there's, there's, a, there's a buildup of plaque that's, that's preventing the springs of life to flow from our heart. 
Ravi Zacharias is, a, is an apologist who, uh, in a book uh, not long ago, defined evil in this way. He said, evil really is uh, a departure from the purpose of something, or it's a violation of purpose. In other words, uh, rebellion, sin, evil with money. Money, the purpose of money isn't to hoard it or to, to steal it. It's to use it to provide for your family and to bless other people and to glorify God. So, so uh, evil or rebellion is, is a violation of the purpose of money. Cars and buses and airplanes. The purpose is to transport people, not to terrorize people and to murder people. That's evil. That's a violation. Drugs. Drugs are, in, uh, the purpose is to enhance health. Not to uh, 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 destroy minds. The purpose of someone having physical strength is to protect the innocent and those that don't have enough strength for themselves. Not to, to violate that, to get your own, your own way. So, so rebellion is really just a violation of, of purpose. And so the cure for, for this one is just Apply God's word. You know, rather than, you know, rather than uh, resisting what God has said, no, cooperate with him. This is the purpose of money and family and, and uh, health and, and uh, laughter and, and, uh, the, and the outdoors. It's to be enjoyed. What did God design these things for? Then plug into that. Uh, apply uh, the scriptures um, to the context in, in which we're living. And Proverbs chapter 4 uh, says that. Um, my son, just right before our, our, our verses, our verse in Proverbs 23, uh, 4, 23, my son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Don't let them depart from your sight. Keep them in the midst of your heart. See? For they are life to those who find them and health to all their bodies. See, that it will impart life to us. Greg Steer is a man who lives in Arvada, and uh, he tells of uh, the rough background he grew up with in North uh, Denver. And uh, he talks about his, the members of his family. They were, he describes them, quote, as bodybuilding, tobacco-chewing, beer-drinking thugs. And those are the women in the family. Uh, <laughs> I mean, that's, that's what he said. And he said he had, he, had, he had four uncles, and they all, they were the kind of guys that looked for fights, and they loved being in fights. Until uh, to one by one, they started becoming Christians. And, you know, that, that, that rebellious lifestyle they were living, it, they started to change. Well, um, the sister in the family is his mom. And, uh, and she, was, she was just like her brothers. And Greg says that he has never met his dad. His mom was married to at least four different men, none of whom were his dad. Uh, he heard about his dad that he was kind of a one-night stand type thing. And uh, so his, his mom just had this, was kind of rough around the edges too. 
And, and when Greg was 15, uh, he, he had become a Christian, and he wanted his mom desperately to become a believer too. And he'd share the gospel with, with her, and she would resist it. And, and finally, in one conversation, which he writes of in his book, she, she, she says to him, you don't know all the things that I've done wrong. And he responded by saying, it doesn't matter, Mom. Jesus paid the price for all your sins. She would always shrug it off, mutter about how God could never forgive her. One night, while she was smoking her Benson and Hedges, uh, gold with filters, he adds, um, (laughs) I shared the good news one more time. You mean to tell me that Jesus paid for all my sins, even the really bad ones? He writes, I said, yeah, Ma. She took a drag on her cigarette, thought for a moment, and said, I'm in. Mom put her faith in Jesus right there and then. She received God's forgiveness and a place among God's people. I saw Jesus rescue her from a life of guilt and sin and rebellion. From that point on, I watched the gospel message transform her inside out. See, her, her heart was going in one direction. Rebellion was, was, was her DNA. But she responded to the gospel message, started changing her heart. That's what God wants for you and me. Let, let the word change our heart. Let's apply it to our lives. Last, the last um, uh, heart disease is troubles. T, troubles. H, hopelessness. E, ego. A, adultery. R, rebellion. And then last, troubles. Jesus said in the world, you, you, you'll have tribulation. That's the world we live in. Proverbs chapter uh, 12 and verse 25, our last one. Proverbs chapter 12 and verse 25. It says, anxiety in a man's heart weighs it down. Now, the troubles we have in our world, some of them we can't control. And some of them we can control. Sometimes we can control the stress and the tension and the busyness that we feel. And the Proverbs is warning us, if that's causing you anxiety, it's going gonna, it's gonna to weigh you down. You're not going to have the, the, the springs of life flowing like God intended. Daily troubles can... Um, can, can be like plaque, like I said before, around our heart. Maybe it would be discerning of you to adjust your daily planner a little bit so that you don't have as much anxiety. Maybe it would be appropriate to look at your calendar and cut out a few things just for this reason. Not because you can't squeeze it in. You could squeeze it in. But because of the stress that it's causing you. I remember talking with a, a retired man who, who uh, told me that, that he sold most, most of his stocks. And it wasn't because they weren't 
being profitable. He just said, I'm kind of a slave to looking at the stocks report all the time. I, it, it's causing me so much fret, so much worry. I just need to eliminate that. Maybe you, there's some things you can control that you would eliminate some of that anxiety that's weighing your heart down. There was a loving uh, family that had a, a daughter who was going to turn 16. And she, uh, uh, well, the, the family, the parents, invited friends and, and relatives to, to send her bits of advice for her 16th birthday that they would read to her when she turned 16. One relative uh, wrote her and, and, and said, um, never be reckless with other people's heart and never tolerate anyone who's reckless with yours. Good advice. You, you want to keep that heart. Uh, those are some things that we can control. But, but in life, there's, there's some things we cannot control. And for the things that we can't control, you know, some of the things we can't control, the things that we can't control, the proverb goes on and says, but a good word will make him glad. So you want to surround yourself with encouraging people, positive people. The cure for this, whether there's things you got yourself into a mess or, uh, or the world has just provided a lot of trouble for you, be around, align yourself with people who are positive. People who are encouraging, who, who will give you a good, good word. Proverbs 15 and verse 30 just adds, bright eyes gladden the heart. I mean, you want to be sound, around someone who's got a sparkle in their eye so that it will gladden your heart. Yeah, that's, that's part of keeping your heart. So you want to be around people that, that are encouraging. And, and their optimism comes from a belief that there's a God who's in control He's God, you're not, and you can trust him. So encouraging uh, people. Uh, this last uh, spring, uh, North Carolina won the men's NCAA uh, uh, basketball championship. And uh, the, the coach for uh, uh, the North Carolina Tar Heels is, is Roy Williams. And he's a fiery type of coach. I mean, he shows his, his enthusiasm and his love for basketball you know, on, on, on the on the court when he's coaching. and I mean, it's, it's just clear his emotions are on his shirt sleeve. Uh, but he has this policy. Uh, I'm sure he tries to keep it. He probably doesn't do it perfectly, but he has a three-to-one policy. His three-to-one policy is he wants to have three encouraging comments to his players for every one negative comment he makes to his players during practices. Three encouraging to one uh, corrective or... or uh, or negative. Uh, and he does that because he knows that for his players to be competitive, uh, to, be, to have heart when they're competing, they've got to be encouraged. There has to be a context that's, that's positive, that's stimulating. That's true for you and me. You know, when, when, when our days become difficult, when the, when the troubles uh, in life uh, are very trying to us when our, 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 uh, the challenges from a chaotic schedule you know, are, are there. We need to be around people who are encouraging to us uh, that, that, will, that will 
point us in the right direction towards God and, 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 and uh, the values that really matter. We'll say, you can do it. God gifted you for this, whatever. Uh, but they're encouraging to you. So those are some uh, diseases that God warns us about for our heart. And we can, we can keep our heart from these diseases and we can live. So just to wrap up, um, the last part on your handout there, this week, with God's help, I'll keep my heart against, and maybe choose one of those, one of those diseases. I'd like, like for you to take a moment to write that in. Think about that. Maybe there's something your, your heart needs to be protected from. Uh, this week, with God's help, I'll keep my heart against the disease of, and you fill it in. And then how are you going to do that? The Proverbs uh, say you might be struggling with hopelessness. The cure, put your trust in God. You can trust God for that thing that's causing you hopelessness. Maybe you're, you're struggling with ego. Uh, you need to submit to God. And maybe, like Greg Steer's mom, you need to trust Christ as your Savior. You need to make that kind of commitment, a, a submission to him. Lord, you forgave my sins. I receive you as my Savior. I, you, you can say with her, I'm in. Maybe, uh, maybe you're struggling with you know, the area of adultery or unfaithfulness. Consider the cost. Uh, be faithful. Rebellion are, you know, apply God's word. Maybe a fresh application of God's word to your context. Maybe you need to start hanging around with other people. Somebody that's more encouraging than discouraging. Mark Zuckerberg, of course, the CEO of Facebook, created a stir uh, a couple of weeks ago when he uh, suggested that Facebook could be like a church for people. That the connectedness that happens with Facebook is doing really what churches do. He said this, we all get meaning from our communities. There's some truth to that. That isn't the ultimate source of our meaning. Our meaning comes from God. Statistics, he said, have proven that the more connected we are, the happier we feel. And the healthier we are. People who go to church, he said, are more likely to volunteer or to give to charity, not just because they're religious, but because they're a part of a community. So the goal of Facebook is to make the world more open and connected. Well, I I don't think that he really understands what a church is. Um, uh, A church is headed by a living Lord, Lord Jesus. He's the head of the church. And we are a part of his family. Yes, we're connected. But we don't volunteer for stuff. We, We don't be nice because we're a part of a community. Our hearts have been changed. You know, there, there's, a, there's a living Lord that lives in our hearts. And, and we've got to guard our hearts uh, from certain diseases in our culture and then, and then really live. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for uh, your word, which is truth. And thank you that uh, in this time that we've had in your word, You've instructed us about our hearts. We, we ask, uh, living God, that, that our hearts would be yours. Um, 
you said that the greatest command is to love the Lord your God with all your heart. And we pray that that would be true for us. I pray for these dear people, Lord, that you would guide them this week. Uh, if they feel extra busy, I just pray that you'd give them grace to accomplish what they need to. And I pray that you would give them that protected, protection around their hearts, that they would be connected to you. In Jesus' name we pray this.